You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. What you need to know about the wintry blast hitting the south coast in just a moment, but first some breaking developments in the scandal that rocked the B.C. legislature. Two senior staff were escorted out, and tonight we are learning more about how Craig James and Gary Lenz are defending themselves from allegations by the speaker that they misspent taxpayer money. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria with more on this story and what they had to say. Keith? Yeah, they handed in their response to the House leaders yesterday, guys, but uh, the Vancouver Sun got their hands on the, on the full copy of, of their response. They uh, more than 80 pages in all, 264 uh, rebuttal points by Gary Lenz specifically, more than 120 rebuttal points by uh, Craig James, answering every one of Daryl Plekis' allegations on a point-by-point basis. Here are some of the highlights uh, we, we're going to pick out of here. First of all, that notorious now wood divider, a wood splitter at the legislature, they say was approved by the legislature audit working group, not by them, not by themselves. They say more than they were involved in that purchase. Also, they deny that that $10,000 alcohol was shipped to former Speaker Bill Beresoff, as Mr. Plekis asserts. And also, they say it was the MLA's idea, not their idea, to buy some pool luggage for MLA's to use for travel. Also, they go on to make a number of points saying it was Plekis who uh, actually did the purchases of expensive watches and cufflinks, not them. They were directed by the Speaker to make those purchases. They also claim that it's Plekis' idea, the Speaker's idea, to fly business class and not economy because, in their words, they quote him as saying, that would make me look bad if we flew economy. And finally, they defend uh, the purchase of that $1,200 suit, saying it was to modernize with the existing cumbersome gowns. Now, some of these uh, defenses, I think, are, seem to be valid, some to be a bit of a stretch. Nevertheless, they do paint a, a, a sort of a picture here of the Speaker, at least they're alleging the Speaker, directing them to do something and then writing up a report criticizing for doing just that. So it's a he said, he said situation now, mm-hmm. uh, but it's uh, just another fascinating twist in this tale. In, in a, a, a road full of twists and turns, mm-hmm. uh, Keith. So what happens now with this issue? Not a heck of a lot in public. A lot of people think the House is coming back next week. It's going to be an explosive atmosphere, uh, but there will no be, not be a revisit of the motion that got them suspended. I've talked to both House leaders, uh, Mary Polak for the Liberals, uh, Mike Farmer for the NDP. They both characterize this now as a human resources issue, it's a, and it goes through a process as would occur in every, any other work site. You've got two employees on suspension. Uh, management now has to deal with it. It's now going to be in the hands of the lawyers. That can take some time. The Auditor General is getting to work conducting her audit of the legislature. And meanwhile, you've got MLAs coming back next week with a speaker who has now publicly accused some of them, he won't name them, uh, or they have not been named yet, of criminal activity. It's an explosive situation, unprecedented, and it all begins on Tuesday. And it just keeps going on and on. Keith, thank you. Now, snow, strong Arctic winds, and bitter cold battering parts of the south coast tonight. It's really starting to pick up on the lower mainland. And our Jill Bennett is out in the valley right now, which is expected to see some of the worst wind tonight and it picked up just in the last hour, Jill. It did pick up in the last hour, Chris. It has gotten a lot colder. We're getting a reading here of about minus one, but with these gusts of wind, it feels a lot colder than that. And the wind has picked up. Uh, It's expected we could get wind as strong as 70 to 80 kilometers per hour tonight, possibly tomorrow morning. Now, BC Hydro is keeping a close watch on this weather system, this Arctic flow. Uh, Right now, uh, just one outage in the area. In North Maple Ridge, uh, there are some trees across wires. Uh, Only 112 hydro customers 
customers affected by that. However, hydro crews are ready should things take a turn. In anticipation of today's storm, what we have done is that we have um, additional standby crews in the Fraser Valley and on the Gulf Islands and Vancouver Islands. But what we have done was that we've strategically placed crews in different areas. Now, with this weather, also comes a reminder from BCAA. It's a good time to check your vehicle. If you are going to be out on the roads driving, make sure you have the essentials in your car. Wiper fluid, something if you happen to get stuck. If you're driving somewhere like the Coquihalla, no one plans to spend time off the road in their vehicle. But if it happens, best to be prepared. We also caught up with a former tow truck driver with BCAA with some advice for those on the roads. I know I can make it a couple blocks. You make it one block and find out that those couple of blocks just aren't going to work out. Uh, slight hills on an icy road is still an icy road. And that slight hill, uphill climb can get you stuck. That slight downhill climb or that downhill roll uh, could prevent you from stopping as expected. So if, if we drive with a little bit more caution, give ourselves a little bit more time to get to where we have to be, give, us, give ourselves a little bit extra room uh, to drive safely uh, and, and cautiously, we can usually get to where we need to be safely. And again, these winds are picking up. So if you are in the Fraser Valley, keep that in mind. It is extremely cold with these winds and they are expected tonight and tomorrow as well. Chris. All right. Thanks very much, Jill. Now, while much of the lower mainland saw just a dusting of snow on the island, it was a different story. That's where our Kylie Stanton is for us tonight. Kylie, snowfall warnings issued for Victoria and eastern parts of Vancouver Island uh, today. They definitely did see some accumulation. Yeah, it was a bit of a mixed bag here today. So if I actually left Tofino earlier this morning in an attempt to uh, beat the snow, it didn't really work out that way. Flurries started to pick up just outside of Port Alberni, and that turned into a full-blown storm uh, on Highway 4. We actually have some video of that taken from inside the vehicle. You can see it is white-knuckle driving through that stretch, creating some really serious conditions for drivers. That only led up as we entered uh, the approach to Nanaimo. Highway 19, though, clear but wet. The snow, though, falling really heavily on the sides, sticking, sticking to the sides of the highway. Eight centimeters accumulated there, especially near the, the south end of that city. And as we went further south, uh, hit the Malahat, 10 centimeters of snow fell there. A lot of cars taking it really slow through that stretch. A few pulled off to the side, some vehicles in the ditch. But honestly, I have seen much worse on that notoriously dangerous stretch of highway. It was one of the hardest hit areas of Vancouver Island. 10 centimeters of snow, as I mentioned. Souk and Duncan also had 10 centimeters fall there. And it became a, it became a little bit lighter down as you went further south into Victoria. Here we only had two to four centimeters just blanketing the city but not causing any major issues on the roadway the problem is it's so we're not out of the woods just yet we do have a snow squall warning for east vancouver island that could result in rapidly accumulating snow even whiteout conditions and then there's the cold we are getting some serious temperatures tonight and this wind with that means some incredible wind chill down to minus 16 overnight tonight. I can tell you, so it already feels like it's well on its way there. Yikes. All right, go inside then, Kylie. Thanks for that. See the wind whipping Kylie's hair there. Let's bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon for a look at what we can, pardon me, expect tonight and into tomorrow. Christy? Thanks. So, so it was...
those strong, dry upflow winds from the interior that actually dried out the lower mainland. Great news for motorists. However, it's those same outflow winds that will gain strength in the next 12 hours. Now, these could cause power outages and drop the temperature at the same time. So this could be dangerous for some residents. However, there is uncertainty with how strong the winds will get. This model here is showing that early tomorrow morning, overnight, and early tomorrow morning, we could see winds 50 to 70 kilometers an hour. But there is potential for even stronger winds, and we need people to be aware. So when I come back, we'll show you which areas have the potential of seeing wind gusts in excess of 90 kilometers an hour. Yikes. All right. Thanks, Christy. Well, public support for an inquiry into money laundering in British Columbia continues to grow. A new poll out today shows overwhelming support for the inquiry across all demographics. And Richard Zisman tells us the B.C. government may be warming up to the idea. The results are clear. British Columbians want a public inquiry into money laundering at casinos. The new Ipsos Global News poll shows 76% of British Columbians support an inquiry. But what stands out is the support across all demographics, for men and women, young and old. There's a, a consensus building in the province that there should be a public uh, inquiry. It's the same message BC Attorney General David Eby is getting. There's a huge interest among British Columbians. I'm certainly hearing that loud and clear. The BC government showing more interest in an inquiry than it has in the past. But Eby offering this up in part as why the government can't move right away. Provincial independent prosecutors are looking at whether or not to bring charges in relation to some of this activity. And we don't want an inquiry to compromise that piece. But experts don't see that as a legitimate reason for delaying a public inquiry. Simone Tremblay was a deputy chief prosecutor for the Cherbineau Commission, an inquiry that looked into corruption in the construction industry in Quebec. We worked together with the police. That we're doing at the same time their investigation too. We work end by end. We make sure that we respect the fundamental rights of the potential accused. This is very important. Global News has discovered billions of dollars have been laundered in British Columbia through housing and casinos. Federal Finance Minister Bill Morneau says they are watching this very closely, but it's too early to know what impacts it has had on the national economy. I can't uh, tell you that uh, there's any reason for me to speculate on exactly impacts, but it's, it's something that we will stay very focused on. The B.C. government's also waiting on two expert reports, expected at the end of March. But as answers are promised, the question British Columbians are still asking is how quickly can they come? Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. So what is the likelihood of a full public inquiry? It seems to be something... The answer to that question and much more from my one-on-one with Attorney General David Eby coming up a little later on the news hour. Collision analysts are trying to determine the cause of a crash that killed a pedestrian in Surrey this morning. The victim was walking in the 6800 block of King George Boulevard around 7.15 when she was struck by a truck. She was taken to hospital but later died of her injuries. The driver stayed at the scene and is cooperating with police. Are you able to move this truck so that the fire department can get in? A pair of big fires kept crews busy in pit meadows overnight. The first one broke out at a dairy farm along Old Dudney Trunk Road and then hours later, industrial fire. An industrial fire decimated two buildings near the airport. Jennifer Palma has more on the losses and the challenges fighting these fires. I'm hearing a lot of popping 
and cracking. This is right outside my door. A fast-moving fire in Pitt Meadows around 5 in the morning, not far from the airport, engulfing two warehouses on a blueberry farm as frigid temperatures made the fight more difficult. The uh, cold played a major factor in it. Uh, all the roads turned into complete ice. Uh, everything was freezing up on us while we were trying to battle these fires. The owner's son wouldn't go on camera, but did tell us vans and machinery were kept in the structures. Tanks of diesel in this building. Okay. Fire officials confirming plastic diesel tanks were stored but didn't explode, just burned off. Nobody was hurt. The cause is unknown. Pitt Meadows fire crews were stretched thin overnight, battling another blaze on a dairy farm around midnight along Old Dudney Trunk Road. Neighbors saw the fire and rushed in. My wife and my daughter and myself jumped out of bed and rushed over here as quickly as we could and started corralling the cows out of the barn. Three barns burnt, including the calving barn. Fifteen calves succumbed. In total, 25 animals died. Every effort was made to save as many as possible. Pretty hard work in the dark, but yeah, they're great. Now, other neighbors have come with trucks to haul the cows that, uh, to milk, right, to, to their barns. Fire crews made sure to put out hot spots with concerns strong wind might fan flames. The cause is unknown, but investigation will be underway. Right now it's undetermined. Uh, there's a lot of fire damage, so, uh, you know, it's really hard to pinpoint a cause. Both places are considered unrelated. Crews, however, worked hard for hours on end to contain them. The community rallying together to say thanks, including donuts and coffee from the mayor. No one was hurt at the dairy farm, including this little calf, doing its best to grow. Jennifer Paul, Global News. Right now, though, the situation is going from bad to worse in Seashelt, where a group of homeowners are now on evacuation alert due to sinkholes surrounding their properties. Many residents of Sea-Watch in tears today as they prepare to leave their homes. As Jordan Armstrong reports, while they claim both the city and the developer ignored the warning signs, they fear they will pay the ultimate price, losing their life savings. How do you leave what you thought was paradise when you don't want to? And perhaps with mere hours to pack, what do you take? It's kind of like our whole lives in here, so just the necessities. Amid the snowflakes in the Sea-Watch subdivision in Seashelt, there are tears. I feel very <laughs> strongly for the people who live here. Tears from homeowners and tenants who don't know if they'll ever be allowed back. Our 12-year-old is crying a lot. Uh, he just doesn't understand. Leaving is also a physical challenge. With the road already shut down, residents have to carry or roll out their belongings several hundred meters through the snow to the other side of the vehicle barricade. What's happening here is a crime. It's, it's just terrible. The issues with sinkholes in the neighborhood go back more than a decade. A new one opened up Christmas Day. An engineering report done this week for the district of Seashelt determined people could die here. Everyone expects the evacuation alert issued Thursday for 14 homes will be upgraded to an order. The question is, how soon? Where are you going to go? We really don't know. We have no idea. No one from the district would speak on camera Friday. Homeowners claim the district and the developer ignored the warning signs of unstable ground. And likely it will bankrupt us yep. and most of our neighbors as well. No help from the province. The Minister of Public Safety has said the area does not qualify for disaster relief, claiming the risk of sinkholes was identified before the development. Their life savings on the brink of collapse. Some homeowners are refusing to leave. They can bring a coffin and take me out of here with a coffin. 
okay? I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay here until I make sure that the people who are responsible for creating this mess are brought to justice. Jordan Armstrong, Global News, Seashelt. Heartbreaking. Well, Federal Minister of Transport Mark Garneau issuing a new safety mandate today in response to that deadly derailment near Field. The train carrying 112 grain cars had its air brakes on, parked on a grade before it started moving on its own. The accident resulted in the deaths of three Canadian Pacific employees. This afternoon, Garneau mandated the use of handbrakes should a train be stopped on a mountain grade after an emergency use of the air brakes. The order takes effect immediately and will remain in place as long as necessary. The Department of Fisheries has wrapped up another crackdown on a stubborn problem, illegal crab traps in Boundary Bay. And as Linda Aylesworth reports, once again, what they found is troubling. A substantial haul of crab traps fills the corner of a back lot at Fisheries and Oceans Field Office in Langley. This year in the two-day operation, we got about 204 traps and approximately 1,200 crab. The makings of a seafood feast. If it weren't for the fact that the traps are illegal, raised from the bottom of Boundary Bay two weeks ago. Boundary Bay is one of the areas, uh, probably in North America, that has the highest density of lost traps, crab traps like these here. Not all the traps were lost. Some were left by poachers, retrieved by over a dozen fisheries officers blindly dragging the bottom with hooks. It's very dangerous. Lines can snap. People can fall overboard. They can get hit by a trap if it's swinging. They're very, these traps are very heavy. They're a couple hundred pounds each. Traps are illegal when they do not have floats or identification or one of these, a cotton string that serves as an escape mechanism. If the trap becomes lost or is in the water for too, too long a time, that would disintegrate and enable, in this case, this trap to open up. But the vast majority of these traps have been altered, secured with indestructible plastic zap straps. But if there's no mechanism for escape, they remain in the trap and they become food or bait that attracts more fish, more crabs than they fish forever and ever. And that is called a ghost trap, a drifting deliverer of indiscriminate death. And there seems no end to them. Last year in a three-day operation, over a thousand were pulled out of Boundary Bay and Roberts Bank. Well, it's a sad thing to see in it. It's a sad thing to know that these traps are out there still fishing. And there's many more. What we got is probably a small percentage. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. The serial killer who preyed on men from Toronto's Gay Village was sentenced today for the murders of eight men. 67-year-old Bruce MacArthur was handed a life sentence with no chance of parole for 25 years, meaning he'll be 91 before he can apply. Toronto police say the chance that actually happens is very slim to none. Some of the victims' families wanted MacArthur sentenced to 50 years before the chance of parole, but the judge says he took MacArthur's guilty plea and age into account. The man convicted of killing six people in a Quebec City mosque has also been sentenced to life in prison. 29-year-old Alexandre Bissonnette pleaded guilty to six counts of first-degree murder and six counts of attempted murder in the 2017 shooting. Prosecutors wanted 150 years in prison with no chance of parole, but the judge presiding over the case said that would have been unconstitutional and ruled Bissonnette will be eligible for parole in 40 years when he is 60. To Hollywood now, where people are remembering one of the most respected and versatile actors, Albert Finney, who went from leading man to character actor, has died at the age of 82. 
Aaron, this isn't the way I do business. Finney, who is British, received one of his five Oscar nominations for playing a Southern lawyer in the film Aaron Brockovich with Julia Roberts. He burst to international fame in 1963 in the title role of Tom Jones. One of his last high-profile roles was in the James Bond movie Skyfall. His family says he passed away peacefully from a chest infection while at a cancer treatment center. This weekend, we are going to do our very best to help eight-year-old Heston and his family. They're facing the unthinkable, a terminal diagnosis with at best a few more years left. Variety is supporting Heston to make his life as comfortable as possible. The children's charity works with organizations like Canuck Place to ensure children like Heston are cared for and comfortable. Um, the stress of not knowing if your child is even going to make it to the next day was honestly where we were at. There he is. It all changed, honestly, once uh, Karina was able to come to Canuck Place um, with Heston. I just felt such a burden lifted of knowing that Karina and Heston were in the best place in the world for them to be taken care of. We are um, there to provide the clinical care for complex conditions. We're there to provide counseling after the families has passed away and then all the ancillary supports with respect to camps, school, and just a place for families to get respite. They need that rest from the 24-hour care and they need support so that they can face this life-altering journey with their child. Variety and Canuck Place will continue to ensure children have the care they need and that families are supported and comfortable. Canuck Place has another special relationship that provides thrilling memories for Heston and his family. For Heston specifically, it's, it's nice spending time with him and quality time with him and, and trying to put a smile on his face, but also just I, I, I put myself in their shoes and I try to think what it would be like and um, I honestly can't imagine and uh, just to see that family and how how close they are and how happy they are each and every day. Well this Sunday during the 53rd annual Show of Hearts Telethon here on Global BC we'll meet Heston's family, his mother, father and five brothers and we'll learn how they're coping and how Variety and Canuck uh, Children's Hospice, Canuck Place Children's Hospice will be there with all of them through thick and thin. We hope you'll join us for that. A home security camera captures a deer plunging into a swimming pool, followed immediately by a mountain lion. What happened next? Right after the forecast. And just before we get to Christy, a snapshot of BC's thermostat wars apparently being waged across the province as we speak. That's right. A BC Hydro survey found more than four in 10 BC couples admit to arguing over the temperature in their homes. 5% call it an all out thermostat war. Nearly 60% say they adjust the thermostat when their partner isn't looking. And here's the real shocker. One in five admit they changed the setting with the sole purpose of annoying their partner. I won that fight. How did you do it? Uh, I just changed it. I put it on hold where I like it. <laughs> he keeps opening doors and turning down the dial. I keep turning it up. It's kind of a forever war. I don't know how to solve it. Uh, more comfortable, Ed. 18, she's comfortable at 24. Oh my. <laughs> yeah, right? But look at me. <laughs> look at she's 110 pounds, so. <laughs> I like it colder, he wants it hotter. How do you resolve it? I win. <laughs> and why do you think that is? 
because <laughs> she's armed. In the interest of world thermostat peace, Hydro says here's where your thermostat should be. 16 degrees Celsius when you're away from home or sleeping. 18 degrees when you're cooking or doing housework. And 21 degrees when you're relaxing or watching TV. She wins. She yeah, wins. She wins. All right. Well, it definitely is cold out there, so a lot more of these wars will be heating up, Christy. Yes, absolutely. And this is uh, changing every minute right now. We just had a number of warnings issued across Vancouver Island. These are snow squall warnings right now. And the reason is right here. Look, can you see what is developed near Duncan or just north of? We're seeing another one that with the radar doesn't extend that far, but there's another one uh, just north of Nanus Bay, sort of the Buckley Bay area. So let me show you what's going on. We have these intense Arctic outflow winds. Oh, there's an image from Nanus Bay showing you that snow squall. So what's happening is we're seeing those intense Arctic outflow winds. That's what dried out the lower mainland. But as they cross the Strait of Georgia, they're what we call straight effect snow. Same thing as lake effect snow, but it's our South Coast version. It picks up moisture and it dumps it. It's like streamers or snow squalls across Vancouver Island. So because the winds are beginning to pick up, that's why we're starting to see the development of those snow squalls. And we could see them on and off through the evening and overnight period. So just small pockets, but pretty intense when they do. And it comes with strong winds. Meanwhile, look at the warnings that we have across the province. So wind chills close to minus four. 40 extreme cold warning in place and these are arctic outflow warnings uh, with wind chills down to minus 20 so that arctic air is what's streaming out towards the coast right now it's helping to dry things out but it's also going to potentially cause those power outages that we talked about so right now we're looking at wind gusts in that 60 to 80 kilometer an hour range we're concerned about abbotsford langley and out towards white rock also the southern gulf islands but as we head through the overnight period and tomorrow morning that's that's when we could see the strongest winds. And one model is calling for wind gusts in excess of 90 kilometers an hour in that line that I talked about. So that's what we're watching for. This is the potential, but I think it is more likely we'll see those less winds. But we're warning people that that is a potential. Northern regions, cold and dry. Southern regions, a few isolated flurries in the morning and then a clearing trend. We will also see a clearing trend, but tomorrow will be very windy. And from there on in, it it is going to be cold and sunny for the next couple of days, and I'll leave you with a shot. From Sydney, this is Chanel Patat's uh, nephew, Dante, who <laughs> built a snowman today. New York Yankees. Well, he's a Yankees fan, all right. Thanks very much, Christy. Well done. Well, homeowners in Glendale, California, couldn't figure out why their pool deck was all wet in the morning when it hadn't rained, so they checked their security video and watched a Wild Kingdom drama in their backyard. Pool party, a deer plunges into the pool, followed by the mountain lion that was chasing it. The lion gets out right away and takes off. The deer paddles around a bit more uh, before it climbs out. No word on whether the deer got away unharmed. The family says this isn't that unusual. They've even had bobcats and rattlesnakes in the pool in the past. Put a cover on that thing. Yeah. The cat got out fast. It sure did. They don't, <laughs> like they don't usually like water, right? Really, you should not be running on the pool deck either. <laughs> the devastating impact of money laundering in B.C. is well documented, but yet we still don't know who's responsible for allowing it to happen. Billions allegedly flowed into this province through illegal means, but Attorney General David Eby isn't ready to call for a full public inquiry just yet. 
So I sat down with him to try to figure out what it'll take to green light an inquiry and bring those responsible to justice. It seems daily there's a new uh, piece of information that shows how entrenched this behavior seemed to be. What's the state of the investigation into how that all went down right now? Uh, well, currently, Peter German is doing a second phase of uh, review about what's actually happening uh, in uh, British Columbia and, and how can we stop uh, what's taking place right now. He's focusing on real estate, uh, luxury cars, uh, the horse racing sector, um, and, uh, and really anything else that he can identify where there might be a potential avenue for money laundering. So what is the likelihood of a full public inquiry? It seems to be something British Columbians want to see. So there's a huge interest among British Columbians. I'm certainly hearing that loud and clear, and I know my cabinet colleagues are and the premiers as well. He's been very clear that a public inquiry is still a possibility uh, in our province. There are two uh, uh, key pieces uh, that, uh, that are present that cause us to have a little bit of concern about going ahead with that at this stage. One is that the provincial independent prosecutors are looking at whether or not to bring charges in relation to some of this activity uh, in areas that they're responsible for. Um, and so that goes, that's going on right now, and we don't want an inquiry to compromise that piece. Uh, the second is we have Dr. German's review that's underway right now, as well as the Ministry of Finance review, and we would want any potential inquiry to consider uh, work that's already been done rather than repeating that work. Any idea of a timeline? Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is that the prosecutors are looking at the material right now, uh, that Dr. German's report is due uh, by the end of March, so is the Ministry of Finance report. Um, so I think with that information, British Columbians should know uh, which direction we're headed. How important is it for, for your government and your office specifically to find out who is ultimately responsible? It, our polling shows that for British Columbians, it's very important. Well, this is something that government is looking at very seriously. Uh, certainly, my colleagues are all hearing from members of the public about their interest and concern about what went on and what may still be going on, about whether there are issues of corruption or whether there's issues of just gross negligence or incompetence. What? How could it be that this took place for so long? We know that uh, one of the major motivations for failing to take action was that um, the province was making money from this. Mm -hmm. uh, the people who were walking that bulk cash into the casinos were gambling it and they were losing the money and there was a specific dollar figure attached to that in terms of money that went back to the provincial government. And so uh, that factor alone that the province was making money from this made it much harder for the previous government to say we want to stop accepting that money. It was not a factor for our government. In terms of the individuals who had the information and who whether it was passed on, whether it was uh, received at the political level or not, uh, whether or not uh, there were people who were whistleblowers and we know that there were, uh, they were treated very badly. Um, and so, you know, there are these stories that came out through German's work, and there are likely many more stories about what, what happened and who knew what and who tried to sound the alarm and who said no. Uh, they will only get heard if there's a full public inquiry. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, there's no question about that, uh, that uh, German's work was targeted at what can we do right now to stop it. It wasn't targeted at go through and do a full accountability scan about the list of names of people who were responsible and what they tried to do and what they didn't do. Um, and so that's one of the key arguments for a public inquiry. And it's very interesting to me, and I'm sure it will be to my cabinet colleagues and to the premier, the level of public support now for that kind of approach. All right, we edited that for brevity, obviously, but the full interview is available online if you'd like to check our website. All right, now.
Okay, so last night uh, the Canucks lost in overtime to Chicago, and with that loss they fell out of a playoff spot only because the St. Louis Blues have played less games in Vancouver. They have the same number of points. But the Canucks got to overtime on yet another Elias Pettersson moment, 25th goal of the year. His shooting percentage right now is 27%. That's tops in the NHL among players who've played at least 20 games. And this is the goal, and it's classic Pettersson. One time. It's amazing he gets that far open. But then again, it's amazing Ovechkin gets that far open. But that is Ovechkin-like, that one-timer. They'll play Calgary tomorrow. So next week, when the NFL, or make that the CFL teams, can start to sign free agents, on top of the Lions' wish list is a quarterback. Specifically, a quarterback who used to play here as a backup but became a star in Edmonton. We're talking about Mike Riley. But he's a player more than just the Lions would like to sign. And here's Riley rolling into the end zone. Touchdown! The Lions would love to see Mike Riley back in the orange and black. He was here for two seasons back in 2011 and 2012, but then they had to trade him away to Edmonton or risk losing him for nothing in the expansion draft. Since then, he's won two great cups and won the league's most outstanding player award. Pretty much every team in the CFL wants to sign him, but the Lions feel they have an inside track. He's played here before, he's besties with Travis Lule, who was the best man at Riley's wedding, and Riley's family is from down the road in Washington State. Obviously, family plays a huge part in any player's uh, decision, um, and I believe that, um, you know, obviously the contract makes a big difference as well. But at the end of the day, um, we just want an opportunity for any player to just state our case as to why choose the BC Lions. Getting Riley would be huge on so many levels. It makes the Lions instant contenders, but it would also help reignite a fan base that has lost its spark the past five to six years. If you're fortunate to make that kind of impact, we'd hope that it would make an impact. We would hope that our fans would, um, those who, are, who continue to support us and those who support us from afar, that would you know, pick up the phone and, and, and call our ticket office and, and, and come out and, and support this team. There are no guarantees, so the Lions certainly have backup plans if they don't land Riley. This is a free agency like no other in CFL history. Some 250 players are available come Tuesday. Hervey still needs to fill out half of his roster. Literally every position needs to be addressed. It's exciting, but Hervey's making sure he's a smart shopper. We're not going to go out there and just spend money just because guys are available. We're not looking just to, uh, because there's a, a big name. We're going in with the specific needs, and uh, we're just going to keep that under our hat because it's a small league, and, and anything that I say may be held against me by my peers, my competitive peers. So I'll keep that to myself. The Whitecaps went South American a lot during Carl Robinson's time as head coach. Today, Mark DeSantos brought in two players from South America. Defender Eric Godoy from Argentina, only 25, but he has played a lot in Argentina's Super League. The other is a striker, 20-year-old Joaquin Ardaiz of Uruguay, or Uruguay, who a couple of years ago was considered one of the better teenage players in the world, but his career stalled a bit last year, so at the age of 20, he'll try to restart things here. He needs to be in a club that that will allow him to, to show all of his qualities. If everything was perfect with Ardais, 
um, there was no chance we would even get close to this player. So the moment, the timing, what he wants as a player, uh, his dreams, his ambition for the future makes it a perfect fit for, for us. In the National Lacrosse League this season, the San Diego Seals are kind of like the Vegas Golden Knights were to the NHL last year, an expansion team not playing like one. They are first in the West at 4-2. and two. Vancouver is 2-6. and six. They'll be in San Diego tonight. The Warriors' problems have been lack of scoring. You know, you're 2-6. and six, It's easy to, to come to the rink and be down and, you know, pessimistic, negative, whatever you want. This group isn't like that. It's, uh, we've got a pretty special group that way. We want to win. We want to go out and play right now. We lose the game, we want to play right away. Um, it's easy to come to the rink when you're winning. It's not so easy when you're losing. And, and this group, uh, so far, I, I've been really impressed with that. Guess where that interview was? YVR. Good one. <laughs> Catch them on the run. Yeah. Here's your snow report for today. Dry Arctic air spreading across the south coast. That means not a lot of snow for the south coast mountains. Although temperatures continue to be cold, we are expecting sunshine this weekend. Revelstoke did pick up four centimeters of snow. Fernie, Manny Park, and Whitewater, nothing new, but it is cold and it will be sunny this weekend. Big White picked up 11 centimeters, Silver Star 9, and in Kicking Horse, one centimeter of fresh snow. Same for Mount Washington, Powder King 2. Okay, has anybody here ever kiteboarded? I've never tried it. Has anybody here ever dropped a ceremonial puck before a hockey game? Yes. No, I've okay. never done that either. Okay, well, they're both very dangerous, apparently. So here we go. <laughs> they go Let's together. start satellite debris. Jose Mourinho, who uh, chased out of Manchester United. And all the Man U fans who didn't like him will love this. He's in Russia, in Moscow, for a KHL game. He's going to drop the uh, ceremonial puck. And it all goes well. Then... Trouble with the red carpet. Blaine! Oh! He's down, but he's up again. And he's hugging people. Get knocked down. Yep. Get up again. <laughs> Thank you, Chumbawamba. <laughs> One more oh, look. Oy. Oh, no. Because oh, he was going back to, to shake his carpet. hand yeah, again. Never do that. Never go back. Is he didn't hit his head. So this is the kiteboarding, and this is in South Africa. Oh, it looks wow. easy. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> For sure. Take it off, put you it back on. Totally do that, right, Christine? Yeah. I <laughs> You have to be pretty strong. Holy crow. And brave. And also, I'd be afraid to think we just fly away and you end up in Brazil. But this is a problem. Oopsie. Yeah, like but that. Now it's all, well, now what do you do? Now you just got to. walking. The inevitable is coming. Oh. Flash down the hard way. All right, what um, do we got here? Oh, uh, commercial from Maltesers. Mm. And one that tells you that smoking is bad for cats, if we didn't already know that. <laughs> Hello. Hey. Oh, look, it's us. Oh, hi, Neil. Hi, Annie. Oh, no, what's happening? Oh, that's me leaving because I saw you kissing Tracy Dawson outside the office. No, I was a shame. And that's you going to live with your mum. Bye, Neil. Off you go. Get the message out. There you go. Okay, uh, this one I think is from Norway. It's the commercial for Rima 1000 treadmill. Open door. Door open. Radio on. Playing radio. 
then do lights. Lights on. Protein shake. Making protein shake. New York. Loading New York. Set speed. Four. Four. Six. Six. Summer of 69. 69. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What is it for? The treadmill. The protein shake. <laughs> I don't know. It's something to do with, I think it's something like, you know, life should not be that complicated or yeah. something like that. I mean, that's just Whoa. a good message. Just like don't smoke around your cats. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. smoke. Also a good message. Something we learned today. Cats are always And don't be caught kissing the other woman in front of the place. <laughs> right. You're going to get shot off with your, table with your Maltesers, yeah. Bye, Neil. Uh, last word on weather before we go, because it's quite windy out there already in some spots. Yes, uh, yes. So the winds will pick up. I think the strongest winds will be overnight tomorrow morning for the lower mainland. Uh, we are urging people to be aware we could see power outages and snow squalls for east coast of Vancouver Island still potential. And sunshine. In. After that, yeah. That's good, okay. We'll see you on Sunday with the Show Parts Telethon. Oh, that's a nice shot. See you then.